Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode number 31 of uh, What's Happening in Travel. Uh, I am Kerwin, and this is my buddy. Kushro. And, uh, um, yeah. So, uh, the last uh, episode, 29 and 30, um, was actually a little long, so we're going to try to keep this uh, one. and not, not as long, but, you know, we're just going to talk forever anyway. And uh, we finally got some comments on the show, and uh, the person who listened to it actually liked it. So that's a little feather in our cap. But we want you to leave a comment. Tell us how we're doing. Um, if you think we're just ramblers, or if you think what we're saying actually makes sense, or if you want to hear something else, let us know. Uh, feedback at fastrather.com is the email address, or just leave a comment uh, on the, the, um, the podcast. Also, please head over to iTunes and you can subscribe to search for our names, Kerwood McKenzie, Kershaw Parak, or What's Happening in Travel, and uh, you can find us. And the other piece of information is you can go to Google Podcasts, you can go to Spotify and Stitcher. Um, for my background today, if you're watching this, uh, I've got the train station, and I think this is actually in Sri Lanka, in Colombo. And Kershaw, what do you have? I have my EVA Air MD-11. Ah, there we go. The good old MD-11 freighters, right? Is that a, that's a freighter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So today we're going to go with airlines. And lots have been happening in the airlines uh, industry. Um, and so but we're going to try to keep with the positive news. We have mostly positive news. Uh, so that's good. And um, so let's start. Uh, we, get, we have an update uh, with the change fee. You know, United in, instituted no change fee with some caveats. And then Delta and uh, I think United and American followed. And Southwest already had no change fees, so they were already good there. So um, what did United update, Kushra? What, what, what do you have? So United kicked this off in uh, late August. And then American and uh, Delta sort of half-heartedly, but not exactly. They uh, came back almost the next day. And American went above and beyond the other two, uh, United and um, Delta, and said that these change fees were valid for Canada, Caribbean, Mexico, and uh, you know nearby international. And of course, none of the others had it. So American um, sort of set the goal, and United had really no choice but to match. So 10 days later, they did, sort of. So they announced the Mexi Mexico and Caribbean that they would eliminate their change fees. But they still kept the change fees for Canada. Now, United is in a very unique situation because they have this uh, metal neutral agreement partnership with Air Canada. So they could not institute this no change fee uh, deal with the public without Air Canada's consent. Right. Because some of these planes that are actually United flight numbers are operated by Air Canada. So, and apparently to get Air Canada to agree is a pretty cumbersome process. So, so company, as of right? now, um, Canada is still exempt and you will have to pay the fees, um, change for fees Canada. for any flights from the United States to Canada and for international. Okay. And well, again, Delta and Delta has the agreement with WestJet, but it's nowhere near as comprehensive as what United has with Air Canada. And of course, American doesn't have anything. Gotcha. So as it stands now, um, that's where it is. And it's the same situation for international flights, and which is why none of the other two uh, American or Delta have this policy for international because with their Sky Team and One World partners and the number of airlines involved, it would just get too complicated. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's the what's your definition of international, or what are these airlines defining as international? Not, because, not bordering. Well. Oh wait. Hold on a sec. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So, um, uh, I was trying to think of a question I had for you. Oh, yeah, international. So we know that all the airlines, you know, 
it, it becomes confusing because some airlines um, have different definitions for international. So what are each airline saying is international? International for at least the US big three, which have a significant international presence, is anything outside um, the domestic US. Okay. Now, Caribbean, which has Puerto Rico, is sort of an exception, but Puerto Rico is generally considered to be domestic for all three. I mean, it, it is domestic, because it is a part of the US. But in the case of American, what they have uh, said is that anything for Canada, Mexico, and the Caribbean is considered to be international, but it is within the domestic umbrella of not having any change fees. But for Delta and United, they have said, well, United has since adjusted their position and said that Mexico and the Caribbean are now included in their no change fee, but um, Canada is excluded because of this partnership with Air Canada. Okay. And Delta really hasn't made it very clear to the best of my knowledge what they are doing with respect to the Caribbean and uh, Mexico. Okay. All right. Hold so, on a second. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. It, it, it is always so difficult with international. All right. So here's more questions. Um, how about Guam? You know, no one has specified Guam. And how about St. Thomas, St. Croix? U.S. Virgin Islands included in uh, Caribbean. Oh. No one has mentioned Guam. So but see, uh, really, uh, United is the only one that really does it. And yeah, if so you are, and United does it from Honolulu, and from Tokyo. Yeah, but so I don't know. They have not specified um, if Honolulu Guam is considered domestic, uh, mm -hmm. even though you do have to show your passport in Guam. Right, you do. Yeah, most people so, don't think that you do, but you actually do have to show yeah. your passport. In so they haven't specified yeah. that. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to go to a really weird. Yeah, um, and period. as usual, basic economy is excluded from these change fees. And um, American, again, they went above and beyond the other two. Yeah. And they said that if you, for instance, purchased a $1,000 uh, fare, um, and then switch to um, $750 fare on another day or whatever, um, they would give you a credit of the balance of $250, okay. which is pretty remarkable. But so far, United and Delta have not said anything about that. So what happens to your money then if you get a lower? You've rate? lost it. Oh, that yep. is not good. So it's like, uh, I don't understand what, why can't the airline just make it simple and easy? Uh, and I'm, American is good because given your credit, duh, of course I'm going to come back and fly American because I, I want to keep using my money and I'm going to fly. But remember they haven't said no yet. United and Delta have not said no yet. Yeah, but Kusha, obviously that came up in the conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and somebody just said, no, we're not going to address it until people complain because you know, that's what's going to happen. So American has done yes. it, and people are going to complain, and they're going to be, oh, yeah, okay, now we do it. Instead of just doing it, just, just be good at the beginning. You want to get consumer confidence back. Just be good and do it the right way. Crazy. So, um, all right. It's never, it's never easy, right? Um, yeah. Jeez. All right. Is that all you had on that one? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, keeping united. Um, everyone is doing a whole bunch of different stuff in order to get um, people flying again. And so um, United is doing some international expansion. What are they doing? Very aggressive, actually, because uh, business travel is not really expected to rebound until 2023, 2024, <laughs> um, according to most general consensus among airlines around the world. So... Um, United is catering more to leisure travel. Yeah. They announced um, some very significant, I think, long-haul routes from um, New York, Newark, San Francisco, and Chicago. Uh, one of the most significant that I thought 
was San Francisco, Bangalore in, in Southern India, which is the tech capital, much like uh, Silicon Valley is in uh, the US. Mm-hmm. Now this has been, according to reports, one of the most profitable um, ONDs for Lufthansa of operating uh, San Francisco, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Bangalore. Um, and using uh, very premium heavy aircraft for the route. Yeah. So now with United doing this, I'm sure Lufthansa is not thrilled, but I think the bigger uh, question is, what does it do to Americans' plans to start service from um, Seattle to Bangalore? Because remember, um, American took a huge stake in Alaska, which has this massive hub in Seattle. Yeah, and they were going to turn it into a Northwest um, International Hub for American. Seattle Bangalore was one of the first few routes announced, and they thought they would um, bypass all the competition because this really came out of the blue. Seattle to Bangalore—it's a very unusual route pairing, but it sort of makes sense. Well, yeah. until United decided that. Um, uh, they wanted to do it from San Francisco. Now, according to the route spies, performance, sure. spies. Yeah, but everyone does it to everyone. Of course. So, <laughs> so they found that traffic to Bangalore from San Francisco uh, was 18% of all Bangalore traffic from North America. But from Seattle, it was only 4%. And now the 18% corresponds to about 200 passengers okay. per day. But for Seattle, it's about 50. And uh, it was no secret that American was counting on um, Alaska connections to fill the flight. And now with United doing this, it sort of puts into question whether North America can really support two flights into Bangalore from yeah the US. And it's to be seen what Americans' response will be, because they were supposed to start this year in December, but because of all the COVID restrictions, they've pushed it back a year. And of course, America, United has preempted them and said they're going to start in spring. So that gives them a full eight to nine months of a head start. And also, I don't think um, American has nearly the the good uh, infrastructure that you United has in India with their uh, long presence in India, in Bombay and Delhi. They've got this partnership in Star Alliance with um, Air India and also this um, frequent flyer code share with uh, Vistara mm-hmm. and also all the tech contracts like Apple yeah, and others. Uh, so it's uh, be interesting to see if American goes ahead with it with their own Seattle Bangalore next year? They probably will. If they cave. <laughs> yeah, they probably so, will. Uh, I mean, there's enough traffic. It's India for crying out loud. So yeah. <laughs> there's enough traffic for everyone. Um, so but I, I, I got to say one more thing. Yeah, yeah. One more thing. Um, this, this, is, this route is going to be operated with the 789. And this okay. is already pushing the limits. That was my other craft. question. That was my other question. So currently, Houston to Sydney is the longest route in the UA network. Uh-huh. So now this one leapfrogs it. Okay. So, so a, yeah, but but they, but they weight restrict that every now and again, don't they? Well, apparently they're not going to do as much for this because there's some software solution on the seven eight nine to increase the um, engine thrust for the flight, for the takeoff. Now, I'm not sure how that really helps in terms of engine thrust, maybe use less runway, but I mean, how much difference can that make? And um, they're also going to to, um, um, adjust the software for the fuel management Hmm. of the aircraft. So yes, there will likely be uh, held seats restrictions, payload restrictions, but not as much as on other flights. Now they expect some penalties on the Newark Johannesburg flight, which is again one of the new ads by United, right. because Johannesburg's a high-end, hot airport. So uh, 
coming back to the U.S. is going to be an issue, but um, uh, um, they haven't yet really announced too many plans yet yeah, on did. what they plan to do to address that. So because um, Delta has to do a stop in Cape Town on the way back. Yeah, from Atlanta to Atlanta, rather. I'm going to be weird about this one because um, so about which one, San Francisco, Bangalore, or South Africa? Uh, both. <laughs> uh, U.S. airlines have never really flown to India or Africa. Um, the well, apart from United, I mean well, United Continental. Yeah, but they used to fly to uh, Accra, Ghana, and they stopped. Right, um, and they restarted. And they restarted. They said they restarted, but yes, um, there has never been any interest in Africa and India by U.S. airlines. I mean, let's face it; they've always been going to Europe. They've always been going to South America. Yes but never yes. Africa and India. And right. now all of a sudden, because business is drying up around the world, they have an interest in them. And so um, my thing, my, where I'm going with this is, I hope this is not just, oh, let's do it now because we need, uh, we need passengers. Right? Yes. Um, yes, and then abandon the route later. Exactly, this needs to yes. be a long-term commitment where you're saying we are gonna, we're putting an infrastructure to support these communities and don't just pull out later. Yes. But Delta has sort of stuck with Accra and Lagos. Uh, Delta has. So well, are they American. Still, Delta had two, really? two in Nigeria, right? It was Lagos and what was the other one? God, there was another city that they used to fly. I don't know if they still fly to fly today. I, okay, I don't remember yeah. calling anything other than Lagos. Yeah, they, yeah, they did too. Um, God, I can't remember the name of the other city. Um, Is it not Abuja? Abuja. Did yes. they really do Abuja? Yeah, I think okay. it's Abuja. Um, I think it's Abuja. Abuja. Or Port Harcourt. No, it wasn't Port Harcourt. I think it was okay. um, Abuja. Uh, but they've at least stuck with Atlanta, Johannesburg. Yes, they have. And they've, they've kept doing that. So um, wh what I want is I don't want them to go, oh, yeah, let's go, let's go to India. Let's go to Africa. Um, because we realized that uh, things aren't working out for us. They need to make this a long-term thing, and don't just go pull up because you know you're 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 cutting all these routes after. Yes. And you're killing, well, not killing, but you're making it really difficult for people who are depending on you coming into yes. the country to do this. Remember, South African is in huge trouble. Yeah. So um, I think United is taking advantage of that. And being that they're in the same star alliance, I think it's a very opportunistic mood. Um, it is. It, it is. It is. And I, and I, and I, but I want them to be thinking we need to be investing in the, in the local communities, not just doing it because it's ripe to do it, in essence, right? Right. Right. Um, but, I mean, Delta is, I think they've handled India not very well. Now, this is from an outsider's point of view, mm -hmm. because they, they flew to Bombay, first from Amsterdam, then they tried it from JFK, then they tried it from Atlanta. And they just restarted JFK Bombay a few months before COVID struck, yeah. and they've abandoned it. It's so, but United, starting with Continental, have stuck with India, with Delhi and Bombay. And I yes, think they've done yeah. very well there. They have, and it's because it's of an money extremely there, popular flight, both <laughs> yes. of them, because they have perfect timings. Uh, so I don't think they're going to abandon this. And well, this I, I hope not. Bangalore flight is, they're hoping to be very high yield yeah. because all these 789s flying these new routes will be with Polaris and premium heavy. Which is good. So, and what yeah, because this is going to be a, the longest flight in the United system. Uh, which is good. Now, one of the yeah. things that 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 um, that make these routes fail, um, because you know you talk to um, you know flight attendants talk, and um, they're like, "I hate that route," and it's like, yeah. "Why do you, why do you hate that route?" Because of people, and I'm like, "Well, that's because you don't understand the culture." Right. Um, when you go to these routes, same thing with the Caribbean. Um, and I think Lagos I, is a prime example. Lagos is a prime example because all the flight attendants hate Lagos. I mean, we're not, we're not saying something that is not unknown. That is, yeah, it's not a secret. It's not a secret. And um, 
but the thing is that um, they say it's a difficult route, but they need to understand the people who live in those countries. And you also need to make sure you have uh, flight attendants who understand the people who live in those countries. Yes. So those flight attendants can talk to their other counterparts who are not from those regions and say, look, this is how these people are. This is how you have to treat them. And, um, and a lot of the airlines don't do that. They fly into a route and they wonder why it doesn't work. Uh, one airline had flown into, they were going to train in Tobago and they didn't take the time to investigate the food. And so they were serving these sandwiches and nobody was eating them. And then at the end of the flight, the flight attendants are like, we, nobody takes a sandwich and we're wasting money. You know what the answer was? They needed hot sauce. The Trinidadians love their hot sauce, but they weren't giving them any hot sauce on the sandwiches. Yep. So nobody Not was surprising. Eating. Exactly. So these Not are the surprising. little things that may, and once you give them hot sauce, it was good. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff that they need to think about. Stuff that when you're flying to certain places, um, I think it's Look at the success the British carriers have had for Nigeria. I mean, yes, it was an ex-colony and all that sort of thing, but still. They make it work. Yeah, and they make a lot of money. Exactly. So it can't be that you have these flight attendants who go, oh, it's a long route. I want to fly that long route. No, 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 no. You need to know the culture. You need to have cultural training. For the same way how you go and you prepare the meals for first class, you need to figure out the cultural anomalies and I call them anomalies because they're different or the culture is different. Yeah, they are different. But that's what makes it so appealing though. The exactly. fact that they are different. Exactly. But a lot of the, a lot of these, you know, I, I see people all the time. Oh yeah, I'm going to Jamaica so I can get some rum. Okay, fine. But you need to take care of the people on there. Now, Jamaicans are very demanding when we fly. <laughs> but other Jamaicans well, a lot understand of cultures that. Are, A lot of cultures are like that. Right? And there's yeah. some people who's never flown. Because, you know, they just, they just never flown and they don't know. They're not accustomed to anything. And so you have to tell them you have to be a little more patient. Yep. And, you know, so I hope the airlines are actually doing something about that rather than just looking at, oh, it is a cash flow. We're going to go to Bali. We're going to go to Bangalore uh, just because it looks good. But, anyway, yeah, but they're doing that. Africa from Accra and Lagos from Washington, Dallas. Okay. So the Lagos flight used to be from Houston. So um, yeah. I guess with Washington's large African population. There's a huge one here. Uh, I know. But uh, apparently we're, we're second or third after Washington, D.C. Okay. And I guess Ethiopia. Or that, that surrounding area. Ethiopia is so I hope these succeed right? because I think they, they're wonderful additions to the United yeah. Network, I think. I agree. I agree. It, it definitely is. But I want them to do the training. Um, I, I don't yeah, want and to they, hear they really complaining do about African that. flight attendants to understand the passengers and their requests. You do, because you have to be firm oh. with some passengers. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. And, and, if you, and you can't get annoyed just because they don't understand you, because literally you're speaking a different language. Um, you know, and you so, should not expect them to speak English. You should right. not, you should I not. think. You should not exactly. So that you know that combined with everything is uh, when you when you fly Lufthansa and and that's why Lufthansa and British Airways and stuff like that are so successful because yep. they have the airlines with the they they use the people with the proper language or the proper. I, I forgot where I flew recently. Canada. I was on a flight to Canada, and there was no there was no French, and I'm like. But that's the requirement for the country. They're a multilingual country. You should not assume that everybody speaks English on there. But anyway, we're digressing, <laughs> as, we, as we always do. <laughs> so, but I think in the next episode, we're going to talk about, well, actually, we did talk about what United is doing to the 789 to tweak it, to fly further. Yeah, which is good. I mean, I, I, I like all that stuff. I'm just very conscious. I've always been very conscious about the, uh, the cultural aspect yeah. um, of things. And I think, and I don't think that the airlines think enough about it, which is why they have problems whenever they, they open these routes. Um, okay, I had a question about that flight too. So, which one? Uh, the, the Bangalore. Huh. Are they going east or are they going west? They're going over the Pacific. Ah, okay. Yeah. Right. So it's it actually over the pole. 
Uh, so so they, they're going to fly over Russia and come down over Kazakhstan and Afghanistan and Pakistan? Um, I think, no, I think that, that may be a little too far west. I think okay. it would be Russia and China. And oh, so they're going to fly between China. So I'm looking at a map, China and South Korea and between Thailand and come. I don't know about South Korea. I'm not, I'm, I don't really know the exact routing. I don't think United uh, does yet or they haven't announced it. Yeah. But I think Kazakhstan is too far west, but um, I could be wrong. It is. Or, or maybe they'll just fly like they're flying to Bangkok and make a right. So then they can do San Francisco, Bangkok easily whenever, <laughs> whenever they want to. I Possibly. Mean, but again, it's a very low yielding route, though, because it's mostly leisure. Right? Uh, yeah. Bangalore is going to be, at least they hope, significantly business. Yeah. And I've got some distances. San Francisco, Bangalore is 8,700 miles versus Houston, Sydney is 8,600 miles. So it's 100 miles longer, but it's yeah. still 100 long miles. That's, yeah. In aviation, so, that's a long, that's a, that's a long yep. haul after you've just done 8,600. <laughs> yep. So they're putting a lot of faith in the 789 aircraft. Yeah. So... Well, you know, uh, maybe and they always said the 787 would open up all these new, previously unthinkable, un impossible routes. So, well, Qantas is looking at Qantas just used it for their project um, Sunrise. Project right? Sunrise, but yeah. I just found out that again we're digressing <laughs> that they have not signed the order for the 35100. Oh, they have not. So I don't know if they're waiting for the 777X. Yeah. Because Alan Joyce, I think he gave a press conference um, this week. Just recently, and yeah. And he said, um, we are expecting um, an even better aircraft. Now, I don't know if he meant that Airbus was further tweaking the, the yeah. 350 or if Boeing was quietly doing something with the 777X. I think he's trying actually. To I would love to see the triple seven X in Qantas hands. Yeah, he's trying to negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> but we're digressing. Oh, that's it. but that's really good stuff, though. Um, sorry, folks. Sometimes we have to geek out on the uh, on on the news, and that's good because it's the kind of stuff you really don't hear uh, when the yeah. news stories come out. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, all right. So let's see. The next one we have is JetBlue. So we had reported that. Um, United and American are changing how they do ride. They normally have a hub and spoke system, but now um, because of COVID and all of a sudden leisure travelers are the people to attract, they're changing that. And so um, JetBlue is doing something similar. What are they doing? Yeah, JetBlue seems to have it in for United though. It seems really, <laughs> really obvious because they are going into Newark in a huge way. Wow. And I'm sure United is really, really annoyed yes. because um, JetBlue is announcing more Mint Transcom service to the West Coast of the U.S. from Newark, mm -hmm. uh, which arguably is better than what United has on their 757s, if it's not a Polaris aircraft. But they're going into the Caribbean. And the cities they've chosen, JetBlue, that is, is uh, St. Martin, Providenciales in the Turks and Caicos, uh, Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic, Aruba, Cancun, Montego Bay, and Nassau. Hmm. Those are all plum united routes, leisure routes into the Caribbean that are yeah. not cheap, um, now serviced from Newark as well. So giving JetBlue, I think, hmm. um, Pretty good share of the revenue, which is. But they've also said um, Los Angeles is. They're going to do. Remember, they they moved from Long Beach. Mm -hmm. They closed down Long Beach and moved into LAX, and now they're going to do international as well. Uh, they're going to go into uh, some of the Mexico beaches and Central America. Um, and for some reason, JetBlue has chosen Richmond in Virginia as one of the cities operated uh, from several of these new locations. Like even Fort Lauderdale, they're going to go into several completely non-competitive routes 
to, for instance, Bozeman in Montana and Palm Springs in California from Fort Lauderdale. No one flies these. Yeah, people are going and to then, be of course, Cancun. Uh, they've done San Juan as well, a lot of routes, then to Southeast Florida, uh, Montego Bay, and Las Vegas. Okay. These are 24 new routes that are really point to point in line with what United and American have done. Okay. So, again, they see leisure coming back before First, yeah. business. So, I don't really blame them for doing this. But no, I'm sure, no. as I said, United yeah. is ticked. And Bozeman actually does make sense because of its location. In uh, when I did uh, Montana, what is that? Um, is it skiing? Yes. Well, it's it's close. Okay. It's it's close enough to the outdoors. So yeah, about yeah, like Yellowstone is close. It's close to okay. it. And uh, and there's another park that's also close by. Um, but there's a lot of outdoors um, stuff yeah. in that region. And and Bozeman is kind of in the middle of everything. Mm. Um, to all the different the different cities um, that are out there, I am. I think if they take Butte, Butte is on one end, and I think oh. Bozeman is kind of closer. I might have been. It might have been more expensive to fly into Butte um, than into um, than into Bozeman. And Bozeman is actually a really nice airport. So all these flights start in December. Yeah, and so the, the seats are available for sale now. Yeah, so it's skiing they're going to do for, Bo for Bozeman. That's, yeah. what they, that's what they're looking at, which makes sense. But see, somehow Fort Lauderdale seems an odd place to for skiers. Maybe I'm just. It, well, it's, it's just I don't a, see Fort Lauderdale people going skiing somehow. <laughs> you? Um, no, but maybe it's the Bozeman people come into Fort Lauderdale. For that's the, true. Uh, that is for, true. For the, uh, the, what do you call it, you know, the cold thing? <laughs> the snowbirds. The snowbirds. Thank you. And you know, uh, dude, uh, when it snows in Montana, it snows in Montana. You know, the, the yeah. passes are blocked and all that. It's um, it's a beautiful country in the, in the summertime. It's also beautiful in the wintertime too. Uh, Doesn't but, Montana know, have fewer people than Houston? Uh, yes. Oh yeah. Oh god, yes. It's um, it's, so, it's yeah. It's it's much much smaller, but there's a lot of but, outdoors. There's a lot of outdoors yeah, stuff. But I'm outdoors. sure JetBlue knows what they're doing. Yeah. And it, it, it's beautiful, beautiful country. We would hope. Yeah, it's very, very beautiful country. And, and I want to go back now. Um, the other thing I was going to say about that is, oh, um, one of the things I've always thought about to the Caribbean with United is, so United will do like, they'll do Montego Bay once a week. And it's not, so they'll do it kind of year round, uh, but it's once a week on a Saturday. And then they, uh, I think during the summer, they'll go to like, three times a week or four times a week. And I've always thought, like, why isn't it daily? Um, or why isn't, it, why, why isn't the frequency more? And it's also because they're just looking at leisure, right? So they figure everyone right. in Jamaica is going to spend a week. Um, but there's also the ethnic traffic. So they don't do Kingston because of the ethnic right. traffic. They just do Montego Bay. But they think that everybody yep. that goes to Montego Bay only spends a week in Montego Bay. Now, the flights are full, so they're doing well. But... Um, you They're know, also probably counting on point of sale U.S. passengers, I would assume, uh, by going yes. to Montego Bay. Yes. Mostly beach traffic. Yeah. So um, I could see JetBlue so, saying, well, we're just, we're just going to increase the frequency. And same thing with a lot of those Caribbean, Caribbean islands. United just does them like once a week. They literally like on a Wednesday or on a Saturday, and that's it. Yeah. Um, they used to be daily, though. It At least daily. Martin yeah. and Aruba. Um, but they, but they I think you know, Aruba is still daily, but again, we're getting caught yeah. up in details. And it might actually be from different hubs. So I could see, I could see the airlines, you know, they're all doing this, right? All the scheduling guys, they're all sitting, and it's mostly guys. I say guys because it is mostly guys. Um, but all the scheduling people, they're sitting there like, okay, great. So where are they going? Let's see, where are they going to go next? And um, it, it, it's a lot of ego. So it's going to be interesting. Of course. To see, uh, of course what pans out from all this. As an aviation geek, it's exciting um, <laughs> to see what the airlines are doing. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So we've got one more in the US front. Um, Delta have been doing just amazing things when it, comes to, when it comes to COVID. I think they've actually been reimagining, to use a really worn phrase, um, 
how the industry should. And they keep dropping a shoe, and how many shoes they keep dropping, and all the airlines, all the airlines are like, oh crap, Delta is doing this. So what's the latest? What are they doing? What's going on with them now? So they partnered with the city of Atlanta um, to develop these uh, TSA, which is the security uh, service at US airports, to create um, antimicrobial bins you know, where passengers place their luggage. Mm-hmm. So they partnered with this company called Lidos, L-E-I-D-O-S. I was actually going to look them up, but I forgot. It's an engineering company. So what they do is they created these special black um, uh, boxes, uh-huh. trays rather, where passengers can put their um, check-in baggage, sorry, their carry-on baggage, and these have been coated with a microbial, antimicrobial agent that reduces the risk of uh, bacterial infection. Now, this is not exactly antiviral and it's right. not a cure-all at all. It's but it's a, just it's, an it's additional, it's not a cure-all okay. for, um, you know, anti, for cleanliness or anything. But I still think Delta goes above and beyond and they continue, just when you think they're done, they do something else. Yeah. So this is just an additional step to ensure the safety of their passengers. And this does not mean that, you know, passengers can avoid um, hand sanitizing their uh, right, exactly. belongings or whatever. But it's just something else to help um, promote the safety of their passengers. So they're going to roll it out in Atlanta first. Um, and I think they already have. And then uh, soon they're going to do it in uh, Minneapolis, um, Los Angeles, LaGuardia, and JFK, which are all Delta hubs. I'm surprised they didn't announce Detroit, but that's probably coming as well. Yeah, exactly. So TSA is still encouraging passengers not to empty their pockets into these trays. And they're asking passengers to instead put them in their baggage. So their contact with foreign surfaces is limited. But um, this is just one more step. Yeah, that's good. Now, I mean, And they're I, going to also add, sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, they're no, going no, to no. add them to the self-service uh, uh, TSA checkpoints, you know, where you, uh, the, the trays come out automatically and then you put the bag in and that yeah. sort of thing. I think the whole thing is just weird, right? It is weird that an airline has to do this. It is not the job of the airline to do this. You're it, right. It is a job of the TSA, a government entity, to do this. And uh, it is sad that, t- that the airlines have to do it just because they realize, well, the government entities are not doing it, and we need to do it so we can get people to fly uh, who are but look at the positive press Delta is gaining with all this. Oh, right. Well, because Delta realized that if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. And then what's going to happen is that the other airlines are benefiting because Delta is going to do the entire Atlanta airport. So every airline that flies out of Atlanta or Detroit or Minneapolis yeah. or UK um, are going to be benefiting from this, right? Now, what I'm hoping is that the TSA will do the other airports. And I think that's what Delta is hoping. Because it's their responsibility. Yeah. It's not Delta's bins. It's their responsibility to, to do that. And by the way, uh, Lidus, they're, um, uh, they used to be an aviation defense company, apparently. Oh, they are? Uh, yeah. Okay. And so now they're doing, uh, they making the world safer, healthier, and more efficient is, um, is, what, is what they're, what they're hmm. doing. And so this is just one of the, one of the things that they see. They and then they also said, that Delta has installed these um, hand sanitizer stations all across um, Atlanta Airport, which is good. I so. saw them. When I saw them when I was in um, in Atlanta. Yeah, they had them like at the gate and stuff like that. You just stick your hand. Okay. Because one of the things with the hand sanitizer thing is that it's stupid that you give me something and I have to press. Don't let me touch it. <laughs> stick my hand on it and you give it to me. Why? Like I I yeah. <laughs> just it's it's just so weird when they do things half a um and when i had flown that flight in denver um uh, the tsa never cleaned those bins so i had put my bag in another bag and i bought the stuff that goes in your pocket 
I took everything out and I put in my little plastic baggie and I put plastic baggie inside my bag. And then that bag inside yeah. another bag. And then I tossed the other bag on the outside. Um, just because, you know, you, you have to protect so, yourself when you fly. Uh, because that's the only way we're going to fight this thing is to keep ourselves protected. Yeah, but I'm worried about all the plastic waste we're generating. But well, that's sure. another story for another day. You'd be glad to know I used uh, a, 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 what do you call those bags? Good for you. But uh, no, these disposable masks, for instance. I think that, oh God, yes. Um, but you know, until somebody, until somebody comes up with a disposable mask that's biodegradable. Biodegradable, I know. And you're yeah. gonna, and, but and you're we're gonna digressing. Charge us more, right? They're going to charge us a lot more. But some of them are washable, right? Yeah, but a lot of them are not, right? They're, yeah, I mean, but, but oh. I think usually, you know, when you start thinking about safety, you think about, well, how can we combat it first? And then you think about, okay, great. Well, we're kind of creating a lot of more plastic that we said we weren't going to create. And now people start. But do most people care? I don't think so. Uh, no. About the plastic of, waste? They don't see, give a damn. I see all the masks on the ground and all over the place. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, we're digressing. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. So <laughs> this show is going to be the longest show we've ever done. <laughs> it's because somebody was in a rampage earlier. Um, all right. We're going to switch international a little bit. So uh, let's talk about Iran Air. Um, uh, this I thought was such an interesting yeah. story. So, so before you get into the story, the only, the only thing I know about Iran Air is that they had a 747 SP that I really wanted to fly and I never got to fly it. And it might actually still be flying. Who knows? Yes. And actually, they were first built in 1976. Oh. And the fact that they're still flying 50 years later is just amazing. Oh, I think it's God. a tribute to Iran Air. I really do. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so they what's put the story out... <laughs> So this was an airways magazine. So they put out um, a notification mm -hmm. that they were selling their A300B2. Remember, this is the first Airbus wide body. First Airbus aircraft, that? period. Yes. <laughs> Again, in the 1960, late 60s, early 70s, yeah. vintage planes. They have the 310. They have the Boeing 727, for God's sake. The 747 100, 200 and the SP. Oh my God. And instead of retiring them, they've announced that they're on sale. So they actually expect people to buy these planes. And somebody will. After 40, 50 years of operation. And yes, you're right. <laughs> of course, most of them are other Iranian airlines, like uh, Caspian, which I've heard of. Then there's Iran Air Tours. Okay. The uh, tourist, you know, the equivalent of uh, uh, it's like TUI, for instance. Mm -hmm. And there's Mahan Air, which I was surprised at because Mahan flies um, a lot of international routes. Right. And then there were other domestic carriers like Meraj and Keshem and Taban. Never the heard fact of that they were buying sure. these 40, 50-year-old aircraft and they expected them to fly is first of all a testament to Boeing making these amazing planes and to Iran yeah. and Iran Air for keeping these in service. They're cheap. They're getting a good price on them, I'm sure. Yes. But what I did not realize is that Iran, to the best of my knowledge, is the only country that uses the 747 as an air-to-air -air refueling tanker. Did you know wow. that? In no, the I did not know Islamic that. Republic Iran Air Force. Wow. They have, um, I believe, uh, six of them. Sorry, three three air tankers and seven others as uh, troop transports for the Iranian army. So oh, wow. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't so, realize And that. of course, Iran being banned from the EU for most of their planes um, is another huge problem for yeah. them. So this is essentially an act of desperation. <laughs> Because remember with the nuclear deal in 2015 with the West, Iran had ordered um, 80 Boeing aircraft, both the, um, the 777 and I believe the 737. Oh, and okay. I think 100, almost 120 Airbus planes. Wow. And including wow. to 
Bombardier and ATR. But of course, all that has gone down the toilet. Yeah. So the fact that they expect airlines to buy these planes, I thought was amazing. Well, you know, it's a, well, it's, it's like when um, uh, I had flown, uh, where did I fly? I flew somebody in, the, in, in South America, I think it was. I might have been Europe. And, uh, oh, Ryanair had bought one of, one of the Continental 737s hmm. um, because I remember seeing it. it. It was all painted Ryanair except, I think, just a tail was painted in Ryanair. Okay. And the rest of it was, uh, was, a, was a Continental color. And the interior uh, was still seats um, of the Continental. No. And that happens to, I mean, a lot of airplanes when, you know, they, you fly into like Sao Paulo and you see like, hey, wait a sec. And that, <laughs> and that's somewhere the airline is using it. And all they do is just partially paint the tail and that's it. <laughs> they don't yeah. do anything else. So yeah, that does happen. So have you ever flown an SP? No, I have not. Uh, dude, and I, unless no, I think the only ones I know that are still flying is that um, space laboratory, you know, with the door that opens for that telescope. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think it's a NASA that. plane, uh -huh. and um, the Las Vegas Sands. I think that's a hotel, and they have two uh, VIP jets. I don't uh, know okay. Yeah. I, I, I before and South Iran Africa, Air, of course. And Iran Air, yeah. Before South Africa retired there, yeah. I had flown um, from Zurich to Johannesburg. Okay. On it. A lot of carriers had them. Qantas had them, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think United, too. Uh, I'm not sure. American, yep. But, but yeah. But, and to, to those who don't know, they're, they're just like a, they look like a really short 747. <laughs> yeah, it like. and the upper hump, I don't know, probably had like four seats up there or something like that. But it's really, it's a really a, a much like a shortened version of a seven four seven. It still looked good though. Oh yeah, it still looks good. I mean, it's a seven four seven. Can't look bad, right? Uh, all right, cool. So the next one we have is um, um, we reported how uh, a lot of these airlines are. So the, the big problem the airlines have is they're losing money left, right, and center because no one's flying. And people aren't flying because they are scared of flying. So they're left with, how do we convince people that it's okay to fly? And if you get sick when you fly, it's not going to cost you a fortune. So the insurance companies, a lot of them, I said, we are not covering you for, um, for insurance. And they've actually backpedaled because they realize that nobody's buying insurance. And if nobody buys insurance, they don't make any money. And so, like, I just renewed my insurance um, with... Uh, this Aviana. is travel insurance, correct? Travel insurance, yeah. yeah. I just renewed mine. And um, because it expires on the 11th, I do it for an annual. It's 60 bucks for the year, and I have insurance, and I'm covered. Um, and uh, it, it, it can go anywhere from 60 to, like, $225, <clears> depending <throat> on what you want to get. And after I signed up, the next email they sent me was, oh, by the way, uh, normally we don't cover pre-existing stuff, but because COVID is, and they had like some explanation, they will cover certain things uh, related to COVID. And so this story that Kusha is going to tell you about is, um, is about um, another airline who is now offering free COVID insurance. Who's this that? is Etihad. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it was a matter of time after Emirates announced it, Etihad really did not have a choice, given that they're such a strong competitor on the same country. Yeah. So they've partnered with AXA, um, and uh, they've said that from now until December 31st only, 2020, right. that they're going to automatically enroll passengers in free COVID insurance valid for 31 days after their first flight. So it's a little less generous than Emirates, but it's still pretty significant, I think. Right. So what they've said is that they will cover uh, 150,000 euros in medical costs and up to 100 euros a day for any quarantine costs for 14 days, which I think is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I, I know we talked about this the last time, but I still don't know how they are going to 
stop passengers or control passengers from landing at wherever they want to be and then going out and being totally reckless, getting infected and having their costs covered by the, I don't know how they're going to stop that. And they can't. that would be a huge, yeah. huge financial liability for the airlines. But I think what they've done is it's, it's insurance, right? So it's just like anything else. Right. Underwriters sat back and they said, well, this is our risk. And um, th they ran the numbers. And the actors came back and said, yep, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, and then I did not realize, sorry to interrupt. I did not realize that there was a new department called Etihad Wellness ah, okay. in the airline. It's yeah. a thing. It's a thing now, right? Apparently, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and you also mentioned that um, Fly Dubai is doing the same thing. Well, yes. something equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Fly Dubai has the same um, policy, which makes sense, right? Because they're the appearing company, which is um, what's it? What's it? Emirates, Emirates. Um, is doing the, is doing that. So it makes sense that they would pass that pass it along. Um, so yeah, they're also offer also offering this insurance. Um, it's probably going to take a little longer for the U.S. airlines, but I think what you may see with the U.S. airlines is they will just charge you for it. <laughs> It'll be like, I want to see how long it takes Qatar to uh, say something. Exactly. Because, Match. Because the U.S. airlines, they know, I mean, you can buy travel insurance now when you travel. Yeah. Um, and when I did renew my insurance, I didn't see an option to get that 30-day uh, COVID, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but it's not bad. The other thing too is that uh, in response to that, or in uh, relation to that, uh, Fly Dubai, because you have to do a PCR test to get in these airlines now, and so what they're doing is they're partnering with the local companies. Um, so if you're if you're in the Emirates and you're jumping on Fly Dubai, you can get uh, show your ticket because you need the PCR test, and they're charging. It's a hundred and eighty. AED, is that Durham, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Which we, we, we compute as like about 40, 40 US dollars yes. um, to take the, the, the PCR test. It's a special rate they have with a local company that has labs um, and they have like a list on their website. So if, you, if you're flying um, on them, it looks like you have to be a resident of uh, the UAE to get okay. the rate more than likely. Um, but you know, at least there, because they said they have they have places in Sharjah, um, Ajman, um, Ras Al Khaimah, yeah. Dubai. Uh, which to most people, you're like, really? I only thought that it was just Dubai. It was the only place in the Emirates. There's actually nine. Is it nine of them? Right? Yeah, something like. <laughs> uh, so um, there's it, just other uh, and, and 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 it's like a state. Uh, is what is what you'd call those yeah um but yeah so a lot of the airlines are doing different things now compare that to the u.s where it's like 140 dollars for um to take a test if you have to pay for it yourself and to get your results in less than five or ten business days if you're lucky if you're lucky exactly and here's the difference so obviously um st things can be better but you know in some parts of the country it's more important uh, about how much people are charging you for it um, and, and all that. But we'll try not to get into all that. <laughs> not very um, successfully. I know, right? Um, all right. So are you ready to go to Asia? All right, let's go to Asia. Who um, isn't? I know, right? So we have a few updates and one new story about um, the Asian airlines. Um, We've been telling you about all these airlines who are doing this um, flights to nowhere, and uh, and uh, and probably Kush and I we're gonna try to see if um, if a U.S. airline was to do a flight to nowhere, what would be like the best route to do? But actually, go ahead. It's gotta go ahead. Go ahead. But, but let's talk about Singapore first, and then we'll talk about that. Okay. So, so, so we've I think we've brought it up several times about yeah. how uh, I think Taiwanese. Uh, started this trend mm -hmm. where they had these flights to nowhere. So you took off from typically Taiwan airports, flew around, see the sights, um, get fed a good meal. Um, I think Eva want, did this Hello Kitty aircraft. 
to generate more interest. Yeah. Pay a reasonable amount, get fed a good meal, and come back and land in Taiwan. Then um, China Airlines matched, and other Taiwanese carriers like Starbucks did the same thing. Then um, I heard ANA did the same thing in Japan with the 380s. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you had mentioned, I think a few weeks ago, about uh, Royal Brunei. Correct. Um, and now I think one of the, the most prestigious airlines in the world, Singapore Airlines, has decided to join all of them. It's still in the planning phase. And uh, this is according to the Straits Times, which is a Singapore newspaper. The, a group called uh, the Singapore Air Charter first approached Singapore Airlines about doing this because they had run this survey of about 300 people and they found that 75% of these uh, people surveyed would be willing to take a flight to nowhere. And they also found that 45% of them said that about um, $288, that was the average, US dollars, so that's about 225 uh, British pounds, was the amount they thought was fair for an economy fair. And um, they also figured out that uh, 60% of the passengers said two hours was a good uh, duration. So what Singapore Airlines is planning to do in late October is start these flights to nowhere from Singapore for three hours. Now, why they chose three hours, they did not specify. Hmm. But for, (laughs) yeah. Now, Singapore is really closed still to most uh, of the international um, carriers. Um, But they're going to go ahead and do this. So, So I'm waiting to hear more details about, you know, where, and they're using the 350 the Airbus 350, which is their newest plane. Oh, cool. This. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just and trying they to think. Spe- sorry, they haven't specified whether it's going to be a Silk Air, a Scoot, or a Singapore Airlines aircraft. Um, given the recent layoffs, this is one way, you know, they can raise morale a little bit, at least. Yeah, they've got 20% bad. of their workforce across the three airlines. And what they've done also, which is a little unique, is that they've bundled this with what they call staycations at local hotels, um, including travel vouchers, uh, sorry, shopping vouchers and uh, limousine ferry rides. So you get a flight, hotel, shopping and uh, limo service. It didn't really go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, so... Um, one of our, I would actually love to take one of these uh, dude, if I'm I had the money. Um, one of my, and if we were allowed to go to, to go, right? One of our listeners, um, I had mentioned that uh, sent me a note. Uh, so, so, so somebody actually listened to us, <laughs> listened to us long enough to send us a note, send me a note, and he said, um, if we, if we were going to do that in the U.S., and I think we talked about that a little bit, yeah. Right? And I was thinking, oh, we could fly over the Grand Canyon, although they had kind of done that and it didn't end so well. So maybe not the Grand Canyon. But like, which airline do you think first would actually think about doing it? And where would they go? I, I think it's commoditized. Air transport in the US, at least, I don't know about Canada, yeah. is way too commoditized for people to be bothered to do this. But I could yeah. be wrong. I could. But there's so much. So many places you could do in the U.S. You could do Alaska, for God's sake, yes. which would be incredible. You could do Northwest, uh, like Washington State. Or I think the Grand Canyon, you'd, Grand Canyon, you'd have to go pretty low to really see anything. Yeah, and that's where they had issues the last time. Yeah. I mean, I want to do that anymore. So, but um, I, I would see JetBlue as being interested, yeah. I think. But, you know, even places like when, when you fly across country, if, even just flying across country in the United States is amazing, right? Um, like when you're flying into Las Vegas, they go by Hoover Dam. And yeah. if you get a cool pilot, he will 
uh, tell you that you're passing by. And sometimes I'm always on the wrong side, but every now and again, but even if you miss the Hoover Dam side, you can see Lake Mead on the other side. And, and the amazing thing about seeing that is you can see how low the water level is um, mm. because you can see the white area on the side. And the water level is actually uh, a lot lower than people think. But, um, but so, you know, even flying up and down the West Coast, although now is not the time to do that because there's so many fires yeah. going on. Yep. Um, but flying along the coast is probably something that would be that would be um, intriguing, but who knows? I'm pretty sure that you know these these smart people are um, are thinking uh, are thinking about it. So, uh, so that so that would be interesting to see. And if you guys have any idea, uh-huh, go ahead. Um, the Taiwanese carriers are they did it in July and August. Uh-huh. These flights and they were so popular, they're introducing them again in September and October. So clearly they're on to something. Yeah. So yes, yes, they're definitely they're definitely on. Um, <laughs> so um, the person who sent me the comment, they just sent me another comment, which is quite funny. And they said, um, uh, we were we were talking about the the price range for the Antarctic flights. And so um, the, the the bottom range of that was like $800. Um, was that USD probably? Or was that Australian dollars? It was Australian. It was Australian dollars. Yes. Okay. Um, so he was saying, isn't that similar to a pre-COVID transatlantic flight from, say, Houston to Paris? And he bets the food is better on Qantas too. <laughs> you may not be wrong. <laughs> I know, so it'll be interesting. So, but, you know, I mean, I, I think people would actually do it. Because it's not that people don't have the money to travel. They are just, there's so much. I mean, like, if you think about it, if you and I, somebody wanted to go to Aruba and it was, you know, you had to get all these, you have to go online and fill paperwork out. Then you have to get a COVID test and then you have to present the test. And when you get there, and, and you know, it's, it's such hassle just to go somewhere. Yeah. People just like, you know, I can't deal with it. And I think that's why I'm, and plus they're scared and now you have to go through all this hassle. But if with stuff like, I bet if Delta did one, it'd be awesome because you'd know that the middle seat's going to be empty. The flight attendants are going to give you those little packets of stuff. They have hand sanitizers everywhere and the bins are clean. <laughs> you'd have to get a meal, I think. Oh yeah, I mean, it, I would, it, it would absolutely be great <clears throat> to do. I mean, they just need to figure, even if you don't, I'm trying to think of like if if you kept it to the south, something that's pretty scenic that you can actually see. I get a really good view, even like um, uh, so that I think the Mississippi Delta would be fan, fan, fascinating. Absolutely, you know, you just follow so, the Mississippi or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Delta should do one. I, I fly to nowhere from Atlanta, and I guarantee you, Kusha, they would sell out in no time. I'd be curious about that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe. You think people would be bothered? Yeah, I think people do it. You know what? I'm gonna poll. I'm gonna do a little poll and ask people. Uh, you know, would you take a would? First, would you do a flight to nowhere within the U.S. and? Uh, but you know, people are going to complain. I want miles. I want this. I want that. Give it to them, because they are giving you money, and that's what they yeah. did, right? I think when um, when the other ones did it, they gave you miles for whatever. No, they didn't. Not not the Asian they ones. Did. Not the Asian no. one. I thought one of them did because somebody mentioned that one of them did. Okay, not to the best of my knowledge. No, we okay, have to look that up. Um, so. But yeah, just give people miles because you're taking money. Now it'll be difficult to put an assistant because the system is based on distance, so it'll be HL. <laughs> That's to right, HL, which is zero. <laughs> or just specify one number. Yeah. So how are we doing on time, by the way? I oh, thought this over. was your one goal. Oh, we are so yeah. over time. Because uh, only because I lost track of time. But we've only got again, again. But we've we've got five more stories to go, so it's not too bad. Um, yeah, this was a long one. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if we right. should split this. Um, but we have, uh, we've got uh, one, two, three, four, five. We've got six more stories to go. Okay. Hasn't it been over an hour? Um, no, because we stopped okay. and we paused. 
It's almost an hour though. It's weird because when this, when this thing gives me the timing, it, it starts from the time I start. It doesn't start from the time we start to talk. I need to do a different timer for that one. Um, all right. We got, we, got, we got six more topics to go. We're just probably going to take half an hour. <laughs> so, okay, fine. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break this episode. Uh, this is episode, what, what are we, 31? Because we have five more topics in airlines. And um, I'm just looking at them. It's going to take about half an hour to talk to easy. them. Easy, easy. Yeah, easy. So let's do that. Then. Mostly due to your rambling. It is due to my rambling. <laughs> you, know, you know, when I go off on a tangent, I go off on a tangent. So um, let's wrap up this episode. Did you have anything else to talk about flights to nowhere? No, not, not as of now. But okay. stay tuned. I'm sure right. there will be more. Yeah, I think they're very cool. I'd love to actually go on one of them. Um, I mean, I, I, have you ever done a flight to nowhere, by the way? Yes, I have. But where did you do? Where did, Houston where did you to go? Houston. <laughs> uh, what, on an, uh, a Spicejet um, Bombardier Dash 8. Oh, dude, that is awesome. Um, yeah. I've actually done two of them. We did the, we did the DC-3. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and we just flew. I think we, trying to think, did we go somewhere in the DC-3? Yeah, we might have actually gone to Ellington. We might have actually flown Ellington Field to Houston, so that's not a flight to nowhere. Okay. Um, but we did do a 757. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. United had this this thing for frequent flyers. And so we flew from IAH, we went to Galveston, and we flew around and we came back. It was very cool. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, was it Continental or United? I thought it was... It was Continental. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was Continental. I remember those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and since I was helping to coordinate it, um, I went on a trip, because we, we continued yeah. the work trip, but it was fun because you got to meet a lot of the local uh, freaking fly- I a lot of the freaking yeah. flyers. Um, all right. So, you know, let us know if you, if, if you would take a, a flight to nowhere, um, uh, if you're in the U.S., because that would actually be cool. And, and in terms of nowhere, where would you like that flight to nowhere to go? <laughs> all right. So this is episode 30 where we're going to wrap it up. Um, this has actually been a really fun episode. Uh, so, uh, it actually started out as a very, very slow news week. It really did. Yeah. And then Thursday and Friday, suddenly all these news items kept popping into my mailboxes. Which is good. It it, it tells you that all the airlines were, were there thinking up stuff and looking at all the cool stuff that people are doing. And, and we're going to see a lot more of this because everyone is, it's, it's an ego thing. And now it's like, okay, so you announced that right? Well, <laughs> yes, it's going to be crazy. So um, this is episode 31, uh, this is Kerwin and my friend Kushro. And uh, we'll see you in another, in another episode pretty soon. All right, talk to you guys soon.